Welcome to episode 78 of the Girl About the Globe podcast. In this podcast, I share my experience of traveling through Africa on an overland camping tour. Having traveled through South, East and West Africa, this episode is to help you decide if overlanding is right for you. If you've ever wanted to travel through Africa and are considering an overland camping tour, stay tuned. Welcome to Girl About the Globe, a podcast for you as a solo female traveller, empowering women to travel solo with maximum adventure, minimum impact. Africa is such a fascinating destination. It's a continent abundant with wild animals, spectacular terrain and fascinating tribes. The continent is huge and travelling around it would take you several months and quite a few other countries are out of bounds as well. Visiting Africa and seeing a safari is probably on your travel wish list if you haven't already done it. And there are several safari companies that you can do this with where you just see the one country and experience the national parks in the big five. But what if you want to see more of Africa and you have weeks or even months to spare? In my personal opinion, the best way to see the best of Africa is to go on an overland tour. I don't take that many tours. I prefer to travel independently on a budget from country to country and going overland is my favourite way of travel because you cross land borders instead of flying in and out of airports. But for Africa, I generally feel more comfortable on an overland tour. Having spent over four and a half months in Africa and I'm actually going back again this month, I've included my experience of three different overlanding tours so that you can decide if an African overland tour is for you. So first of all, what is an African overland tour? Tours specifically in Africa, they're generally camping trips. You travel on a huge overland truck with a driver and a guide. In East Africa, you normally get a chef on board too. You join the tour in a specific country and then travel overland across borders with the truck and the group. And then you leave at the end of the route or in some cases hopping off in another country of your choice, depending on the flexibility of the tour. You pay for the tour before you go And then when you arrive, you give the tour guide a local payment. That's in cash and it covers the food kitty and the camping fees for your trip. So transport, accommodation, which is generally intense, and food is generally included in an overland tour. Why would you choose an African tour instead of actually going by yourself? Well, in West Africa specifically, you'll find a lack of tourism infrastructure and corrupt board officials Many countries only have a bus network which connects the main cities, so going off the beaten track can be a bit of a challenge. And you may have to take shared taxis or motor taxis in countries, specifically in Benin and Togo in West Africa. What I really love about an overland tour is that it makes it easier to see the countries that you may feel a little bit worried about travelling to alone, especially if you want to visit countries where you can't speak the language. So you get to join a group of other travellers who are equally as excited about travelling to the same region. So they are a great way of bonding with like-minded individuals. You don't need to obtain all of your visas before the tour. If you're going to East Africa, I think it's quite easy to get your visas anyway. But this makes it so much easier. So instead of several trips to the embassies in your local country and sometimes being refused a visa, like me with a Cameroon visa in London, You're with the group filling out the paperwork all together and you're hanging out in embassies in Africa. Although this can take up some of the free time that you have on your trip, it's much better being with a group to know what to fill in on the forms. 
Also, with overland tours, you really get an immersion into the country. Sitting on a truck, waving at the locals, crossing borders with chickens running around, I've seen monkeys on the borders, and children wanting to say hello to you is just the most rewarding part of the trip. It's raw, and I honestly don't think that you can have a more authentic experience. Plus, as a group, you get to experience things that only you will experience together. And there is nearly always someone on the tour who can speak the language that you need for the next country, whether that's French, Portuguese, or even Spanish. You're probably thinking, well, I'm not really much of a camper, and neither was I. And depending on the countries that you're traveling through, there is the option to upgrade. I'm not a natural camper. And the first time I went on an overland camping tour, I was so nervous that I cried. I was also getting over a divorce at the same time, but it was completely out of my comfort zone. But now I've been transformed into a hardcore camper. But as nice as it can be waking up to the sounds of nature in your own tent, I still upgrade whenever I can if it's cheap enough. Some upgrades are from $10 and you can share a room with someone else on the tour to keep the costs down. It definitely toughens you up. I had no idea what a ground sheet was even before I did it. And it teaches you how to live in the bush and also how to cook too. What do you expect from an overland trip? It's definitely an adventure. No two days are the same when you're on an African overland tour. Even crossing a border and seeing how the border guards respond to you is is an adventure. Then cruising through no man's land to reach another country. That's why I just love it so much. Travel on a budget. Overland touring is usually budget, so expect it to be basic with no thrills. Expect a lot of waving. This is my favourite part about being on an overland truck. The windows are usually wide open because it's so hot. So you get to hang out and just wave at the children on the roadside. They generally shout at you before you see them. And they shout hello or bonjour, depending on which country you're in. Expect insects. So there's no escaping them in Africa, especially in the Namib Desert. And depending on the time of year for your overlanding travels, you may encounter sandflies, mosquitoes, spiders, and even scorpions. I did take my anti-insect pyjamas with me on my last trip to make sure that I wasn't going to get bitten by mosquitoes. And for someone who hates spiders, my tolerance level is definitely much better. Out of all the regions that I've done on my three trips, East Africa and going through Namibia was the worst for insects. Also expect no showers. It doesn't happen every day, but there are times when you have to go without a shower for a couple of days. So take some biodegradable wet wipes with you. When you do arrive at a campsite that has water, it may just be a bucket and cold water. You could also find yourself washing in rivers as well. This also applies to toilets. So expect to pull up alongside the roadside and just find a spot to go or take a shovel with you if you're bush camping. I found that very hard to to get my head around at first. But the positive is that after a couple of days of feeling unclean, you really appreciate it when you finally do have a shower. Expect to share a tent. As a solo traveller, you'll probably get paired with another solo traveller of the same gender if you prefer. For my last tour, we were able to take our own tents for more privacy, which I absolutely loved. Expect to cook. The truck is self-sufficient and it literally carries everything that you need for the journey, including pots for cooking. If you don't have a chef on board, you, you won't in West Africa then you're put into a cooking team and you cook every few days depending on the rotor. If you're not the best cook, like me, you usually get paired up with someone who loves to cook and instead you do most of the prep, all the chopping and the cleaning up. 
Because cooking for 20 people, depending on the amount of people on your tour, is a lot of people to cook for. Being on cooking duty also means buying food from local markets and preparing a meal from what you're able to find. Some West African countries have limited vegetables, so you do need to get creative with tinned goods. Be prepared to work. As well as being put into cooking teams and buying food from local markets, you may need to help collect firewood, load the bags or the tent each morning when you pack up, clean the floor of the truck, wash the windows. Everybody usually mucks in and you may get assigned a specific role. Expect to camp anywhere and everywhere. Bush camping is basically pulling up the truck and pitching your tent anywhere that you can find a spot. So you could find yourself camping on the side of the road at a village, on a football pitch, a gravel pit or a cow field. You may even be camped next to a border crossing and it may not even be even ground as well. There's also a lot of driving. It's called overlanding for a reason and it's fast paced. To see five countries in five weeks, for example, you have to cover a lot of ground. The most places I've seen in a country is three different destinations. And some days you can be on the road for up to 12 hours and the roads may not be what you're used to. They can be bumpy with potholes or definitely a lack of road infrastructure. Expect to be up early in the morning, sometimes before the sun rises and on the road in the dark. Expect to get not much alone time. You are with a group on a truck for the whole of your trip. So you do need to be comfortable being in a group for a long period of time. There are moments when you can slip away and have some alone time, especially at night when you can read in your tent if you choose to opt out of the card playing games or drinking in the camp at night. Expect new experiences. From making jewellery in Ghana to witnessing a voodoo ceremony in Benin, I even took part in a private voodoo ceremony. Visiting museums in the capital cities as well also give you a new experience and an insight into the country's history. That's one big plus about Africa. There is so much history there to learn. Meeting new friends. East Africa, that sector tends to attract social people, whether they're traveling solo as friends or in a couple and generally more for the younger demographic. The West Africa trips that I've been on seem to have attracted older travelers, the majority of them solo as well. West Africa, they also seem to attract more experienced travellers because they've usually done the east coast and seen all of the wildlife and all of the sites so they're looking for something a little bit different. If you're not sure which region is for you, South Africa is for wine lovers, wildlife and beaches. Choose South Africa for the big five, visiting townships, learning about tribes, sandboarding. This is the area for some of the world's best safari parks. East Africa has the best tourism infrastructure. The landscapes are stunning. There are campsites, so you don't need to bush camp that often. East Africa is also for sightseeing, wildlife, partying, and trekking the massive Mount Kilimanjaro. North Africa is Egypt, Morocco, Tunisia, and Western Sahara around that region. It's known for its colourful Riyadh souks and deserts, and there's a lot to see there, from ancient civilizations and tombs to desert villages. Expect to buy a lot of souvenirs and experience a different culture if you decide to go to that region. West Africa. People really visit West Africa for the people and for the experience, not really for the sightseeing. The exceptions here are Senegal, which is amazing, the Gambia for beaches and monkeys and Ghana, where you can see elephants in Moli National Park. 
West Africa is more of a region where it gives you an education about the slave trade. And you can visit forts and museums to learn more about that. Or you can also visit Benin and Togo to experience the whole voodoo religion. Central Africa, hardly any companies go there because it is unpredictable. West Africa is also quite unpredictable as well. But Mad Venture, one of the companies I went through, do go through Central Africa. Borders can close due to conflict taking place in the country. Governments get overthrown. That's what happened to me on a trip three years ago. And there can also be tensions in the country when there are elections. So countries have been known just to close the borders down for two weeks when they're having the elections because things can kick off. Which overland Africa tour should you choose? I've personally used three companies so far. So I've used Africa Travel Company, Overland in West Africa and Mad Venture. My personal favourite was Africa Travel Company. It was the first one I did and the guide, the driver and the cook, having a cook was fantastic. And it was just absolutely amazing. Trips, overlanding can last anything from 12 days to several months. So they do cater for people who only have a short amount of time on holiday. My last overland tour was with Madventure. It was the most hardcore I've been on. It's marketed as Madventure because it literally is for the mad traveller. It's for the person who wants to go to places that others don't usually go to. So they travel all the way around Africa from Morocco all the way around, down to South Africa, up to Egypt, and they also travel in other parts of the world too. I joined them in the Gambia, and then travelled through the Gambia, Senegal, Guinea-Bissau, Guinea, Sierra Leone, and Liberia with them. The last time I did write about West Africa, I did have a bit of a culture shock, but this time I was more confident and prepared for the region, and I also knew it would be quite basic, dusty, and an adventure. Overlanding West Africa. This company basically do what they say they do. They overland West Africa. They travel from Dakar or Accra to Freetown and vice versa in the opposite direction, as well as Dakar to Marrakesh and Accra to Accra. I travelled from Ghana to Togo and Benin and then back through the north of Ghana with them. We were meant to travel on to Burkina Faso and finish the tour there. But a war broke out at the time, so we took a diversion back into Ghana to end the tour there. Africa Travel Company, these are the first ones that I used. They operate overland tours in Africa in Eastern and South African countries. They're great if you don't have too much time because their trips do start from 12 days, where you can experience Johannesburg, South Africa, to Victoria Falls and Zimbabwe. I joined them in South Africa and travelled through South Africa, Namibia, Botswana, Zimbabwe, Zambia, Malawi, Tanzania and Zanzibar with them. Dragoman Tours. I haven't personally used this company but I used to work as a travel consultant and we had a partnership with Dragoman and they've been around for 40 years and are known for overlanding. They offer a classic Africa overland safari for 20 days which starts and ends in Nairobi and includes trekking Mount Kilimanjaro in game viewing. African Trails. This is a company that that's been around since 1980. I recently came across them. They have 60 different safaris and I'm actually considering doing a tour with them for the sector from Cameroon. Their trans-African expeditions include West Africa and the Nile from nine weeks to 41 weeks. An epic trip. And you can also explore South and East Africa with them as well. My tips. 
have no expectations, and I'm talking absolutely none. If you expect these countries to operate the same as they do back home, then you're already setting yourself up for an uncomfortable time. Expect to be uncomfortable, whether that's with the communication, the corruption, what you witness, or with the weather. It can be hot and humid, and it can also be cold at night in the desert, or dry and dusty, and even all three as you pass through the different countries. As with any tour that you would do, expect there to be some negative Nancys, negative people basically. Parts of overlanding can be rough and you do need to keep an open mind. Remind yourself that every day is a brand new day and that this is Africa, TIA, and you'll have a better experience. I travelled last year in November 2021 for a month and there were obviously COVID restrictions at the time. In my experience, the land borders vary to arriving by air in airports. They're not as strict. Some did need a PCR test to cross over and others needed a COVID certificate. But most countries in Africa look for your yellow fever certificate. We were still following government protocols, but some land borders were just a small shack. So it's not as strict and the same rules didn't seem to apply. We were mostly contained in our truck group anyway. If you're wondering, can I travel Africa solo and can I travel around it by myself? If you feel comfortable enough, yes, you can. I felt comfortable enough to do a few countries alone. I have been to Senegal by myself as well. I did Cote d'Ivoire, which I found a bit challenging. I've also been in Angola by myself as well. Um, And I did Sao Tome, but with a friend. And I was in Gambia and Liberia by myself too. You do need to feel comfortable in Africa and you do need to not expect transport to run on time because public transport, depending on where you are, can be unreliable and uncomfortable. You definitely need an open mind for getting around. If you want to hire a car, you do need to be over 25 generally and the best countries to drive through, apparently, I haven't done this, are Morocco, Botswana, Mozambique and Eswatini. If travelling overland seems a bit like too much stress, you can fly instead But be prepared for delays. I had um, a flight cancelled and it didn't fly again until three days later. Flights are also extremely expensive in Africa. Even flying to a neighbouring country, they are very expensive. If you do decide to hire a car and you're planning to visit more than one country, check that you don't need a carnet de passage. It might also be called something else, which is a document that allows you to cross international borders. If you are travelling by yourself in North Africa, there are trains here and you may feel more comfortable using a train than local buses. They can be safer if you're travelling alone, but they can also be slower. If you're travelling overland for many hours, you could even consider a sleeping compartment and just lock the doors and windows at night. The trains in Tunisia are really cheap with respectful travellers. I really love Tunisia. Taxis are also very reasonable there and they can take you around the country. Morocco has a very good bus network with buses running throughout the country. You can choose the company called CTM, which I used if you prefer to travel in comfort. Domestic flights tend to fly via Casablanca, so travelling overland could be quicker and cheaper. You could also hire a private driver as well. In Egypt, felucas or river cruises take you along the River Nile at leisurely pace, stopping at the incredible Egyptian sites such as Luxor and the Valley of the Kings. The rest of the country can be explored on tube trains and buses, And there are also internal flights, which you definitely need to take, really, if you're flying to Abu Simbel. 
South Africa, if you're traveling by yourself, traveling by bus is an option, but not all the roads are well paved, so it could be a bumpy journey, especially around the Masai Mara Safari Park. Public transport is difficult in Malawi and you'll often see people just walking miles along the roadsides. And there's a lack of transport in Namibia. There are buses between the main cities. Botswana has a good bus and minibus network. If you're travelling in Tanzania, you need to find a reputable bus company as some of the roads aren't in good condition. Mozambique apparently is quite hard to get around. In Kenya, you can take a night bus to Mombasa, which has security cameras on board for extra safety. There are also intercity buses in South Africa, if you feel comfortable enough, because there are parts of South Africa that are still a bit dodgy. And there are also international buses with air conditioning, or if you're travelling through countries, there are minibuses known as metals, which generally wait to be filled up before they leave. Be prepared to be the only traveller on one of these. If you want to travel independently around East Africa, the riverboats may be crammed and the ferries may be overloaded, but they are a cheap way of getting around. If you're travelling from Mombasa to one of the beaches, be prepared for the boat to be busy and to be the only westerner. A good ferry service takes you from Dar es Salaam to the island of Zanzibar, and you'll find ferries taking you across the larger lakes throughout the continent. You do need to be careful in Kenya when there's a chance of being mugged, but they do have security cameras on overnight buses. In Ethiopia, apparently you could be a novelty, so expect attention from beggars and curious locals. I'm also planning to go to Uganda on this trip, and I've heard that if you travel there independently, you may find yourself very alone if you're not on a tour and that I may be more comfortable in countries with more travellers and tourists. I will update you on Uganda when I go there. We are having a future podcast episode on Uganda, so it'll be interesting to see what it's like. If you do want to travel solo through West Africa, then kudos to you. It's such a challenging region. It's made up of countries that were once colonised by Europe, expect to be speaking Portuguese, French and even Spanish in one of the countries there. If you are travelling here, you'll find a lack of tourism infrastructure and corrupt border officials. Many countries only have a bus network that connects the main cities, so going off the beaten track can be a challenge. But that's not to say that you shouldn't travel here, because countries such as Senegal and Ghana are very welcoming. Ghana probably a little bit too welcoming. As a solo female traveller, you do need to be aware of attention from guys. But the majority of the region is definitely better seen with an organised tour. cannot recommend them enough. I hope that this episode has shown you the reality of overlanding Africa. Obviously, everybody's experience is very different. You may get a fantastic tour guide. You may have amazing people on the tour who all get on and have no mishaps where everything is plain sailing. But one thing is for sure, when you're on an overland tour cruising across African plains, you really feel as though you've been transported to a completely different reality. Africa really makes you feel alive and these trips are life-changing. If this episode has inspired you to look at overlanding Africa, you can find the article on why choose an African overland tour on the Girl About the Globe website. Thanks for listening to our Girl About the Globe podcast, making solo travel easier for you. Find everything that you need for your solo travels at girlaboutheglobe.com and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.